welcome into I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, the self-proclaimed 43rd best Bama podcast on the internet. Here are your hosts, Tom Sims and Jason Tiffin. Is that the way you want to read? Man, Hey, welcome in to the podcast. I'm not targeting your targeting. I am Jason Tiffin, half of your host team with Tom Sims. Tom, how's it going? It's great to be back, sir. I've been looking for forward to this. I noticed you named episode two episode. Actually, you named it wrong. It should be season two, episode one. You named it episode two dash one. You're fancy like that. I noticed you named it. We back and man, it is good to be back. It has been a tough year, twenty twenty. And uh, you know, we we would we had every intention of doing this in July like we did last year. And getting everybody pumped up and ready to go. But, man, I, I couldn't get pumped up myself because we just didn't know if we were going to have football. And you know, so the COVID kind of knocked us, kept knocking us back. And Tom moved out of his spacious 5,000-square-foot home and is in the process of moving into his palatial 8,500-square-foot home. He's got a tack room. That is, if you don't know, that is an equestrian term for something. Like you tack horses, whatever that means. His tack room is bigger than my man cave, and he's sleeping. He's slumming it in the tack room right now. But now Tom has uh, – Tom – I tell you what, I'm very uh, jealous, or, or very not jealous is not the right word. I'm very happy for Tom. He rolled the dice on himself. He bet on himself, and he won. He bought some property in Jefferson County. He developed it. He has sold all but one, or all of them. We're uh, we sold them all. That is awesome. So you know he is a mega thousandaire right now, <laughs> where we all strive to be. But uh, that's you know that's kind of and Tom, so Tom didn't have uh, internet. Now I think he's got three hundred meg with a fiber optic, but he didn't have internet. So hey, listen, one excuse is good as another is why we didn't start. But we're back. We're happy to be here, and the show Tom picked up a sponsor. Oh, did it now? Yes. Who, who's who's that? Sports with JT. It's actually the sports show that targeting. I'm not. I'm not targeting. You're targeting is sponsoring. I have started a sports show uh, on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. on the big 95.5 out of the metropolis, Hackleburg, Alabama, w- WFMH. If you got the TuneIn app, or if you're in northwest Alabama, you can just tune in to 95.5. It's a call-in show. If you don't have the uh, the if you don't live in northwest Alabama, TuneIn app, T-U-N-E space I-N on your Apple or on your Android, and then WFMH, and uh, they're sponsoring us. So uh, thank nice. you, Sports with JT. Uh, don't forget our Twitter feed is at TargetingNot, at TargetingNot. So uh, ready to get this thing kicked off. Outline of the show is in my notes to cover next. We've strapped <laughs> the word of the day because, you know, frankly, um, we I would forget to say the word of the day. And you we're know, not that smart. No, we're not. And, uh, you know, we would uh, ask you to drink every time the word of the day would come up. Well, y'all were probably ready to get schnockered, which was one of the words of the day last year. And we would say it twice, so, you'd, you know, you'd be sipping on your white claws and not even catch a buzz. So we've scrapped that. We've scrapped the Instagram 
model of the week. I am a, uh, a committed man to a, a young lady, and I think it would be in bad taste to uh, do the Instagram model of the week. So sorry, gentlemen, about that. But what? we are going to recap games. We're going to preview games for the next week. We're going to have the meaningless topic, which is outstanding this week. We're going to recap our bets, which tonight we don't have any bets to recap, and then we'll give you weekly bets. So it's going to be pretty much the same. Tom, I have uh, gabbed enough. Tell me what your thoughts are. (laughs) Man, that's a lot. A lot of this I didn't even know. No Instagram model? That's crazy. I've been married for over 10 years, and I was still on board. Of course, Deb won every week, so I guess (laughs) it would be a... (laughs) Except for that one week that Arthur the Horse won. And Ass Alley won, too, one time. Ah, that's right, Connor. Hope you're doing well out there, sir. Is he playing this year? Or he is with, playing he graduate? this year. He is. Great. I look forward to seeing him on the field. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped. Absolutely pumped to be back, sir. Um, I know we're going to jump into the SEC, but man, it's been a crazy, crazy offseason. You know, I want, before we get into our SEC stuff and that sort of thing, I want to throw a question back to you. How poorly, how poorly did the Big 12, Pac-12, or Big 10 Pac-12, I always get confused how many teams are in the Big 10, how poorly did they handle this whole virus thing? I mean, it was more important to them to be first than it was to be right, is my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, you and I don't live close to each other, so we, we don't talk as frequently. We're both busy, so we don't talk as frequently as uh, as what, as people might think with us being such chums. But, um, you know, I kept up with it on Twitter, and the word was when the Big Ten announced, all the, the Twitter heads were like, basically were saying all the other commissioners are kind of uh, are kind of were caught with their pants down. They did not expect, you know – Let's be honest, it's Ohio State. I mean, that's that's the Big Ten. And, you know, they did not uh, they did not believe that Ohio State and slash the Big Ten would make that rash decision, and it caught it caught them off guard. And um, you know, the the rumor was that the SEC, I think all of them were kind of wavering, like, man, what do we do? What do we do? And the, well, all but the SEC. I, I heard the SEC was standing strong, like, hey, we're playing. And I, the the rumor was they were lobbying the Big Twelve and the ACC. Look, guys, stand strong, stand strong, wait it out with us, and and they did. And yeah, they, you know, the big. I loved it because the Big Ten thought they were the tail that wagged the dog. No, 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 my friend. If any, if there's any tail wagging the proverbial NCAA dog, it is the SEC. And, we uh, wag a lot of tail down here. And who, you know, Pac-12, like, who cares? I mean, you can play, you can not play. They actually announced uh, they're going to play. They announced it. It came through on my feed about an hour and a half ago that they're going to play a seven-game slate. Ooh, step out there, big boy. A seven-game <laughs> slate starting in November. So, you know, the last time they have made any noise was Oregon in 2013. And, you know, they got the f- good fortune of playing Florida State, who was just vastly overrated that year. Florida State made the playoffs in 13 because they were undefeated. And it was a new – it was a new – and they didn't get the number one seed. You know, Bama got the number one seed. And uh, and they were defending national champs. But USC is nowhere near what they used to be. Oregon is nowhere near what they used to be. And Oregon's probably the strongest team out there with uh, – uh, name escapes me. The coach Washington. Was, oh, oh, Oregon's coach. Oh, yeah. the, the Cristobal. The Cristobal. Thank you. Uh, 
But, yeah, they, they really finished – the Pac-12 and Big Ten really looked bad with what they decided to do. Yeah, no doubt. They, like you said, they, they thought everybody was going to fall in line, and that was a huge miscalculation. And now they, they've got a lot of egg on their face. But, hey, I got, I got dollar to donut that the favorites in the Pac-12, when they release the seven-game schedule, will, uh, will have four home games. You know, it's a little <laughs> yeah, uneven oh yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be interesting to see what they uh, what they do with their crowd size, you know, because, man, you know, Alabama, you know, Meemaw Barner still got us wearing a mask right now. But, we're you know, we run a business in Red Bay. We are not enforcing the mask. I, I wore it till uh, – I wore it to try to get to Sturgis. I went to Sturgis this year, as you know, and I'm like, man, if I can get to Sturgis healthy and get back healthy, I'm done with a mask. And But I'm respectful. If a customer really wants me to put one on, I will. I've got one in my back pocket at all times. But we, you know, they don't wear them a lot around here, and, and the customers don't. You know, we got about 50-50 customers, and then employees will wear them some and some won't. But California, dude, they're still shut down, unless you're Nancy Pelosi. And... So those Pac-12 schools are just, what are they going to do about crowd size? Zero? I don't see how, how can you allow crowds in the stadiums when the, whole, the rest of the state shut down? Well, they shut down Colorado today, the campus, University of Colorado, for many gatherings, which effectively shut down their football practice too. I don't, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how they're going to navigate that landscape. I'm not going to get political with it, but I'll just, uh, I wish them the best of luck in, in figuring out, you know, a blistering 7-0 and schedule. Let's see how impressive that is to the uh, playoff committee. Hey, 4-3 and three gets you a bowl game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could talk COVID, yeah, we could talk COVID from now till, um, till you know, this time tomorrow. Till the Rona comes on. on my radio show, Sports with JT. I did say if we continue to treat this like the plague, we're going to stay in a constant state of shut down, reopen, shut down, reopen. It is, it's not a hoax. It is real. I know people that's had it. Uh, my girlfriend had it and had a rough go at it. And uh, But the thing is, it is not with the college-age kids. It's not dangerous. They I, I saw a stat today. Their age group has a 99.99998% chance of living. I mean, they probably have a better chance of dying from the flu, and until we start treating it that like, hey, you know, all this contact tracing, that's why Notre Dame had to cancel the contact tracing. I mean, okay, you're, I was around you, and you've got it. If I test negative, you got to play, brother, you know? Hey, if if Ass Alley ever gets this, there's going to be a lot of contact tracing. That fella gets around. <laughs> all right, enough of uh, enough chit-chat. Let's get down to business here. We're going to break down the SEC East, SEC West. I've put a time clock on Tom at 15 minutes. So, first off, we uh, we normally would do this right around the time the media would be meeting in Birmingham. The, so, the media, of course, didn't meet this year, but they did. They uh, they placed votes, and it just came out a couple of days ago, maybe even yesterday. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted it out. So, this is the official poll in the East. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give you the East and West divisions, and then we'll see how close we align with those. Um, the Eastern Division, they have Florida at number one, Georgia at two, and Tennessee at three, Kentucky at four, South Carolina five, Missouri six, Vandy seven. Uh, and also in the East, the, there were 53 to 43 first place votes. So, Florida edged Georgia. 
by 10 first place votes. In the West, you have Alabama at one, LSU at two, Auburn at three, A&M at four, Ole Miss and Mississippi State tied for five. I'm sure they are thrilled with that. And then Arkansas at seven. So uh, Bama got 86 of the possible, what is that, 96 votes. LSU got eight, A&M got two. So again, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, your top three in the East. Alabama, LSU, Auburn, your top three in the West. Tom, what you looking at on yours? I am I'm way, way, way different. I'm all over the place. This is going to be a strange season. Very strange. I mean, I want to I wanna guess what the over-under is of teams before they play Alabama happen to come down with a case of the COVID. Uh, <laughs> Bama may only get to play about three games this year. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, in, in, the, in the East, uh, I have the top two flip-flopped. Georgia, although they're replacing a lot on offense, an awful lot, they have a lot of talent there, but that defense is going to be – as much as it pains me to say it, I think they've got the best defense in the SEC or, or will have this year. Um, they're they're going to be stacked over there. And, and I got them a full two games ahead of Florida in these. Now, I do have Florida finishing second, but I have Florida with a 7-3 and three record. The rest of the teams are, are about in line, but I don't have – after Georgia at nine and one and Florida at seven and three, I don't see another SEC East team having a record better than five and five. And I have both South Carolina and Tennessee both with five and five records. Yeah, that's where I actually agree with uh, with the the media this time. I have a uh, Florida at one and Georgia at two, and. Specific, the specific reason I do agree with you on Georgia's defense, they are going to be, for all uh, intents and purposes from what I've read, they're going to be pretty salty. But gone are the days when you can have a Jay Barker at quarterback and win with a, a strong defense. At least I think those days are gone. And Florida's got the better quarterback. I, I assume Trask got preseason All-SEC honors. I, you know, he was he's very well, he was very highly first thought team. of. But I've got Florida and Georgia, and I've got actually got them at both at eight and two. I've got uh, Florida beating Georgia head up. I've got Georgia losing to Bama and losing to – man, it was – I covered it the other night, and I forgot it, and I left my notes somewhere. But uh, I've got Georgia losing to, I think, A&M, if they even play them. Maybe Florida they, plays A&M. I don't remember. Yeah, they, they don't. The, Georgia would lose to Bama and Florida both in yeah, that's your it. scenario. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the I'll, heads up i'll get you there sir <laughs> i've got florida losing to um tennessee to end the year i think they end the year with tennessee they do and then i've got them do they play a&m uh they do play in uh, that's the, the two losses i've got them uh, i've really prepared for tonight as you can see i've got tennessee at seven and three and then i've got kentucky finishing fourth but hey rounding out my top my bottom three I've got USC, Vandy, and Missouri. Missouri finishing last. I've got Missouri 0-10. i got Vandy 1-9 with a win over Missouri. I've got South Carolina 2-8 with a win over Vandy, Missouri. So it's, have, it's a – Yeah, a, I have Vandy at 0-10. I think it's inevitable that we'll have a winless – have we ever had a winless SEC, not just in conference, but winless on the year? That is a good question. I don't know that we have. You know, we had an zero and eight team. We've never had an zero and ten team. Of course, we've never played ten games. Uh, yep. We had we had an zero and eight last year in Arkansas. Yep. 
And well, um, they, they I, hammered somebody out of conference. I forget who it was. New Mexico State Tech, I think. You know what's funny is in the knockout, I actually won with Arkansas last year. I happened to pick them on the game that they won. And a ton <laughs> of people went out on Arkansas the very next week. And luckily I picked them, which I didn't win. Uh, did I you, did. You, I couldn't remember if you did. I knew you were, uh, I knew you were very high. Uh, in the you know, I knew you made it very late rounds. But here's but. A, here's a side note there before you continue on that. Me and me and my knockout partner in the SEC, I believe, and I'd have to check the stats, but I believe we have won the last five out of six years. So basically, what you're saying is, uh, you're as you're as as successful at that as I am of picking the coin toss in the Super Bowl versus you. You're much better at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough on the East. Who cares about the East? They're not going to win the SEC title anyway this year. That's going to belong to Alabama. I'm going to start with the West. Uh, I've got Alabama 10-0. and You know, Danny Sheridan saying that he doesn't see – and he's not the only one, but there's some pundits saying that they don't see any SEC team finishing with less than two losses. I just, I just disagree with that. Uh, I mean, I think Alabama gets Georgia. You know, Georgia named their quarterback. Gober texted me uh, about an hour ago. He might have texted you as well. They named Dewan Mathis. Yeah, you know, freshman. They got Newman coming in from Wake Forest who was going to win the Heisman. Well, then JT Daniels comes in from USC, and, and Newman's like, oh, I'm not going to be the starting quarterback. So he opts out for the NFL. JT Daniels is about 53, 54 weeks removed from an ACL, so we don't know how healthy he is. And Dewan, did you say Dewan Mathis is a freshman? Yeah. You know, and hey, he might be he might be the next Trevor Lawrence or the next Lamar Jackson. Who knows? But I, I trust that he can't come into Tuscaloosa and upset Alabama. I just don't think he can do it. So I got Bama 10-0, and, and I actually have – a&M, second place. They have got to make a move. They're paying Jimbo $75 million over 10 years, guaranteed money. This has got to be their year. Kellamond is back for his 16th year. They, I've got them finishing second. I've got Auburn finishing third. And a tie at 6-4 and four record with the reigning national champions, LSU, because I've got Auburn beating them head up. I've got the reigning national champions fourth in the conference. And it that's – I'm sorry, not fourth in the conference, fourth in the division. If I had to put them in the conference, I would put them at sixth. I would put Florida and Georgia ahead of them. So, they would drop to sixth overall, which is middle of the pack. Uh, I got Ole Miss at five and five over uh, Mississippi State at five. And then Mississippi State, of course, is sixth. The Egg Bowl is going to swing that uh, position. Arkansas rounded it out. Arkansas is going to go one and nine with a win over Eastern Foe, Missouri. So, recapping, for me, I've got Bama, A&M, Auburn, top three, LSU at four, Ole Miss at five, Mississippi State at six, Arkansas at seven. Tom, tell me how right I am. You're correct on the top two, sir. I have Bama at a, a full 10-0 and 0 as well. Nice. Now, Homer te- alert. Homer alert. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this, too, since we were talking about um, George's JT Daniels. Shout out to him for trying to pull off the Gardner Minshew look. I don't know if you've seen a picture of him. Like, but <laughs> he's he's giving it all he's got. He's not quite there yet, but, hey, he, he's got a whole season to progress. Uh, Bam at 1, 10-0. I actually have A and M at nine and one with their only loss to Bama. I got them eight and two, so we're close there. Now I'll tell you this: as far as A and M goes, like you mentioned it, Kellen Mond is back. 
which seems like he's been there forever, and he has. But I was looking at the preseason All-SEC team earlier today, and the first-team offense has Kyle Trask as the quarterback, and the first te- or second-team offense has Kellen Mond as the quarterback. Now, you tell me, are there other quarterbacks in the SEC that you would take above either one of those? Oh, absolutely. I don't know that I wouldn't take Mac Jones above both of them. Agreed. The, it, the, the point that I'm making here is these uh, voters or whatnot are voting by the process of elimination. Everybody that was better than them last year is now gone, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they can put a freshman. It may be Dewan Mathis from Georgia, for all we know, yeah, as yeah. the best quarterback, but nobody is stepping out there to to select an unknown as a preseason SEC, and, you know, maybe there's some merit to that. But with today's climate, I mean, every year it's a freshman quarterback mm-hmm. or it's a first, uh, first-year first starting quarterback that really turns uh, turns the wheels. I mean, Burrow last year was, what, sixth or seventh uh, preseason quarterback in the SEC? Oh, probably. I mean, I would not have taken uh, – I would have taken Jalen Hurts – over Burrow this time last year, no doubt about it. Yep. So, anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. But yeah, I got Bama one, A and M two. Uh, I have LSU, the defending champions, at seven and three in third, followed by drum roll, please. Lane Kiffin and the old Miss. Rebels. No way. <laughs> Homer alert. Auburn's finishing last with Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if I could only. But, you know, Ole Miss has 16 starters back, eight on each side of the ball, Mm -hmm. including one of your favorites, Plumlee. He goes both ways on your uh, platoon team. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I I like Ole Miss. I mean, I got them at six and four. they're going to have to pull off some wins, some notable wins at that. I got yeah. them winning against Auburn at home and South Carolina at home. You know, those are two home games, and you know when they put three or 400 people in there, they're going to have a tremendous home field advantage. But <laughs> I have them at 6-4. and four. Uh, I have Auburn at 4-6 and six with a losing record. We can't get that lucky, but <clears throat> I, I appreciate the gusto. Well, I, you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking at this – to, for Auburn to avoid the 4-6 and six record, they're going to have to win at South Carolina uh, and at Ole Miss. Those are two road games. Mm-hmm. I give them the win at Mississippi State, but they're going to have to win on the road at both of those. And then in addition to that, the home games, they're going to have to pull out a win or two against, uh, well, they're at Georgia, but yeah. they got to pull a win or two against Georgia, LSU, Alabama, A&M. You know, they should, I mean, they should lose at least three of those. I, I agree. Well, I I, I had them losing. You got them zero and four, don't you? I had them zero and four, and then losing on the road to Carolina, uh, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. Yeah. So you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Home field advantage is going to be a fluid situation this year. It's not going to be as critical as it was uh, in years past. But with to that end, in my opinion, the top two home field environments in the SEC, and this doesn't necessarily pertain to us. One of them does, but uh, 
Auburn and LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And when, yeah. And when I when I say it doesn't pertain to us, we've had pretty good success at LSU, but we've not had very mm-hmm. good success at Auburn. And that's not just a homer thing. When Auburn's crowd is in it, but they're not always in it, and that's the thing. It, when, when Kentucky comes at 11 o'clock on Saturday, they're going to have their hands full. Yeah, they would have had their hands full with a full stadium. That's just the way they do it. But when you know LSU shows up there on a night game after their – you know, three and eight in the conference, they'll they'll put up a fight. So, but I have a, uh, you know, I mentioned previously that I had Vanderbilt at zero and ten. I also have Arkansas at zero and ten. They don't happen to play each other, and uh, <laughs> I think those two teams could be a combined zero and twenty. Do they the not conference. play Missouri? <laughs> what are you talking about? I have Missouri two and eight, notching wins versus both of them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How wrong can you be? Those three teams are around robbing for the seller, and I got Missouri, you know, curb stomping both of them. Well, you know, last year, um, I mean, we're pretty – you had Georgia 1, Florida 2 this year. I had them flipped. And we both had Bama A&M 1 and 2 this year. You know, last year I had Georgia 1 in the east. I had LSU 1 in the west, and I hit that 100%. So, Hopefully I hit 100% again this year with uh, Bama, or I, at least 50%. I'll take Bama. I don't care who they play in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, we agree on the top, and uh, and I, we also agree that the bottom part of the East is just horrible. They are. Yeah. They are. All right. Hey, we're that was 15 minutes on the dot, dude. Great work. We're, we're in mid-season form in week one of the SEC. All right, game of the week this week, I gave Tom the opportunity to pick between Kentucky at Auburn, uh, Florida State, Miami, Mississippi State, LSU, and Ole Miss, Florida. He never got back with me, so I have selected Kentucky at Auburn. I'm going to let you lead. What do you see in that game? First off, I don't know what kind of communication you're having with me. I never saw that selection. Uh, I guess I'll – got screenshots, pal. I bet you do. <laughs> you can't. You keep them to yourself, sir. Uh, so we just talked about this a little bit. Home field advantage is going to be nullified tremendously for for a lot of teams, for every team really. But for teams that depend on it a lot, and I think Auburn is one of those, uh, it's going to be tough. They have announced they're going to limit their capacity of their stadium to 17.5. Now, I didn't hear an exact number, but I have heard that the majority of that 17.5 will be students. Is that what you heard? I have not kept up with Auburn like I usually do, so I'm not sure. I I did hear of one or two schools that were going to predominantly let a lot of students in based on their – somewhat in a bubble on campus and so, but i don't know i'm not 100 percent sure on that yeah i think that i think that's going to be the case and that's kind of smart for crowd noise but it's kind of uh not smart for uh fundraising but none, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nonetheless um so i think this is a tough matchup for auburn uh they don't have but five starters back on their defense. And, you know, all three of their defensive linemen all went, what, in the first round of the NFL draft last no, year? Not first round, but, I mean, Derek Brown went, what, sixth overall, I think? Yeah. I, mean, I thought they Derek had at Brown least two in the and, first, didn't they? 
Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson had no business come back to Auburn last year, and they did, and and now those two guys are gone. I, I get your point. Yeah. So so anyway, and, and they lost a third lineman to the draft. Now maybe he he went high, I think, but maybe not the first round. But nonetheless. Uh, so they lost a lot of defensive linemen. Well, guess what? I think Kentucky has three draft-worthy offensive linemen on the other side of the ball. As a matter of fact, uh, they had two of those, Landon Young and Drake Jackson, both make first-team All-SEC. Uh, all so mm-hmm. that offensive line is going to be tough. And to compound that, if you remember last year, Kentucky's quarterback, I forget what his name was, went out early in the, Oh, no, 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 I didn't. Terry Wilson, mm-hmm. that was the quarterback, went out early in the year, and then they had to put in the wide receiver as quarterback for the rest of the year. Now, that wide receiver is gone. I forget. Uh, that's the guy that I was trying to think yeah. of. But he, he was really – Bowden. Uh, he was Terry. really good. Yeah. Uh, but he's not. We're gonna get there, folks. You just—we're not good at names, but we, you know that—that that dude that kept t- catching the ball and running with it. <laughs> but point being, they run for 279 yards per game last year in an offense that knew they couldn't pass. They had yeah, a wide receiver yeah. back there, so that offensive line is legit, and they're coming back. All those guys are coming back, plus they're going to get their quarterback back from injury last year, who who actually played well the year before. So they're going to have a pretty stout offense, particularly on that line, and, and Auburn's going to be breaking in a lot of new faces. So Kentucky, I've got them keeping this game very close. Now, with with Auburn's luck, I, I, I still have them squeaking out a win, you know, at, at the buzzer or some close one. But uh, I feel like Kentucky is going to keep this game very close in the opener. I felt like you were going for that right upset, and I was, uh, was going to be kind of I almost excited. did. I almost well, did. Line is seven and a half, and, uh, you know, we got what, you know, 2020 has continued to disappoint. But one thing that has we're getting we're slowly but surely getting back to normal. Everybody's playing college football now that the Pac-12 has announced, and we're getting fans in the in the stands, and we've got breakfast with a barn in their their coveted eleven o'clock spot. Nothing uh, like it. And piggybacking off of the Kentucky positives versus the Auburn negatives, Auburn's starting five new offensive line. I think here's why I say I think. I know they had five seniors start the first game of the year last year, which by in turn would mean all five graduated. But I think about midway, a junior beat out one of the seniors. So they've either got one guy returning, but even if they've got one returning, he did not start all you know 12, 12 regular season games because they started five seniors. So they're breaking in a, an entire new offensive line. They do have all the receivers back, and Stove – and Seth Williams would, would get minutes at Bama. There's no doubt about it. And, and we're stacked at wide receiver, but those two guys are legit. I do agree with you, the defense. Their linebackers are good. K.J. Britt is back. And um, another guy's back I, that I recognize his name. I think Christian Tutt is back in the defensive backfield. Big Cat Bryant is on the defensive line. Truesdale is on the defensive line. But I've just named four players, dude. you got to play with 11. And I just don't see the, I don't see the talent. And I have heard that Kentucky uh, has the best offensive line in the SEC. Now, that is very hard to imagine with Bama having 
two tackles that will eventually go in the first round, in my opinion, of the NFL draft. But Kentucky, that's how stacked Kentucky is, that people are actually saying, hey, they might be the best in the conference. And, yeah, with the quarterback coming back, and all of it points towards, uh, you know, Kentucky keeping it close. But we're talking about Auburn here, guys. And I know they're limited fan uh, crowd size. But let me ask you this. Are they limiting decibel level? Because they're going to have that music up so loud on third down, you're going to be able to hear it at your new 8,500-square-foot home in Jefferson County, Tom. So, sadly, I've got Auburn covering the 7.5. i got Auburn 27, Kentucky 17. Uh, they break our hearts. I, I do think, and, and I, but I do think that's a late tacked on score. I think it's twenty to seventeen with five minutes left, and Bo picks uh, throws one off of Gus's uh, bubble gum, and it lands in Seth Williams' hands. In the patented Gus Malzahn, oh my God, he's got a receiver running wide open down the middle of the field. Where's our defense? The one of those moments. So, I got a ten point game. Uh, Kentucky gets our hopes up early, and then dashes them late. So. Take it for what it's worth. We both got Kentucky uh, losing, so maybe we will both be wrong. But that wraps up the game of the week. Hopefully we'll recap that next week and say, man, we were we were terribly uh, mistaken on that. Here's, Kentucky, a, here's a question for win. you. Yeah. Well, I <clears> – <throat> Hey. Yeah, yeah. I got one qu- question for you though. Now that I'm thinking about it, now, I've got Kentucky okay. close, and you've got them covering, so we, we're a little bit different there. But how is Malzahn going to use this uh, coronavirus mask uh, as a trick play? It's going to happen. It's <laughs> going to happen. He tries to pull uh, any play out of his keister hole. Uh, that has nothing to do with playing football, but all to do with tricking your <laughs> opponent. So just keep your eye Solid out for question. that. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there's a guy that comes out there, a complete mask over his helmet or something. <laughs> They're going to bring a ball out that's <laughs> got a mask on it. You know, you can't touch this one because it's got the Rona. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> just keep your eye open. Oh, and peeled. listen, you know... Uh... <laughs> I'll be the mascot. Uh, Vegas has him at one to ten odds. He will wear a mask at some point during the game and with his head bobble. So you got to bet one. You got to bet ten dollars to win one. That's how sure that he's going to do that douchebag move. Uh, all right, let's get to lines of interest for week four. Uh, Tom, I'm gonna give, we're going to pick two games each. Tom, I'm going to give you first game. All right. So yeah, you're going to love this, Tiffin. My first game is going to be. The Ole Miss Rebels. I already talked about them having 16 starters back. Kiffin is going to be able to do something with those guys, particularly on offense. Your little Plumley character is going to come right out and shine like a diamond, brother. Um, not calling for the outright upset, but 13 and a half points. I'll take that against uh, you know what we both had. Well, you had them as the the winner in the East. I had them as second. Uh, but 13 and a half doesn't seem like a lot when you look over and see Georgia, which is a consensus number two pick in the East, favored by 30 over uh, Arkansas, and Alabama by 26 over Missouri, so on and so forth. It's a little low for the uh, favorite in the East at 13 and a half. So I'm going to say Kiffin and, and his, gosh, I can't remember. What is their mascot these days? Land Sharks. 
They're still there? Black bears. Which one is it, Rebels. sir? Rebels. <laughs> we're going we're going with the Kiffins. They're gonna be they're gonna be the old Miss Kiffins before this is all over. So yeah, that's that's my first game of the week right there. All right, well, uh, I hate to bust your bubble, but KJ Costello is gonna be starting quarterback. So my boy Plumley has is gonna have to play free safety, I guess. Um, my game one is Georgia, and here's why it's a big favorite. You got them at thirty. I actually got them at twenty six. Um, it shouldn't matter. They should cover the 30. And here's why I'm even more confident now that they have named Dwan Mathis, the freshman, as a quarterback because a couple of reasons. Kirby is going to – he's got to get him as much game experience because bottom line is Kirby has got the fourth game of the season circled. He know, he needs to come to Alabama and get a win. I don't think he can do it this year. But honestly, how many more losses can he have to Bama before they, they get restless? I mean, they're already irritated from the, the past two and, you know, they probably gonna should lose this year. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm sure they got a great defense. But offensively, they're going to be lacking, especially would depend on how the quarterback does. So he's going to get Mathis as many stamps as he can. And he is not favored. You know, the media favored Florida. And he's not top two. You know, it's I don't, I don't even know where they're ranked. Probably, what, four, three or four? You know, but if Ohio State gets back in the mix, I don't know if they've started putting Ohio State back in the poll yet. Georgia's not going to be third. It'll be Clemson one, Bama, Ohio State two, three, and either way you put them in Georgia four, he's going to try to get style points. So I've got him covering the twenty sixth uh, versus the covering the twenty sixth versus Arkansas. What's your game two? Oh, sorry. I've been talking. And I was muted. I was. I was. <laughs> I, I was scolding you for for telling. I was telling you you're not the boss of me, and I'll give you my game two in good time. And I, I got no reaction. I was like, oh my. <laughs> Ladies and All gentlemen, right. it's the first podcast of the year. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm staying in the state of Mississippi, going with a pirate for game two as well. Good call. Uh, state is a seventeen and a half point underdog to the defending national champions. Again, that's a low line for the defending champs, but they have lost a lot. They have lost a ton, a metric ton, sir. And uh, I feel like uh, the pirate is going to not win this game. But when he stays close, I am looking forward to that post-game press conference. He is going <laughs> to have some quips out there about keeping it close with the Giants and whatever else there is. And I'm mean, who knows? He may get lucky and and keep it a game in the fourth quarter. But I have them uh, covering the seventeen and a half. Hey, uh, that's definitely a a trendy pick. I have been covering that game the last two weeks on my radio show, Sports with JT, 95.5 WFMH. <laughs> and, uh, of course, my dad's a big state fan, and he, he actually called in the show He's, and, and talked to me about, you know, them keeping it close, maybe uh, winning outright. And I, it is, I mean, I don't think they can win outright, but, man, LSU's right for the pick, and not only their defections – you know, with coaches and NFL, but like Jamar Chase opted out. They Tyler Shelvin opted out on defense. They lost one guy to a sexual battery. <laughs> so, you know, they got all kind of problems down there. And, uh, you know, Coach O's that rah-rah coach that when things are going good, it's going to be great. But when things go bad, they're going to start pointing fingers. And 
State, if State can get ahead early, they can pull off the upset. But I do like the 16.5, 17.5, whatever your book gives it to you yet. My game two is University of Miami versus Florida State. I, we say this every year. Did you ever think there'd be a time where Florida State Miami would not take precedence over pretty much any other game out there? I mean, I used to would have watched this game. Bama, Missouri, or Florida State Miami, if this was 20 years ago, Bama, Bama uh, Missouri would be on TV number two. We'd be listening to Florida State Miami and no more. I mean, that's just two teams that are occasionally bad, sometimes terrible. And Florida State's not good this year. Miami's going to cover the 11 and cover it pretty handily. So our picks, again, I've got Georgia covering the 26. I've got Miami covering the 11. Tom has Mississippi State. He's got two dogs. i got two favorites. He's got two dogs. Tom has the Mississippi schools covering their respective plus double-digit lines. So let's move on to the meaningless topic of the day. We're running out of time, as you know we always do. <laughs> I, it I like wouldn't be this. a show without saying that, sir. <laughs> and checking my notes. Uh, <laughs> and thank you for Sports JT for sponsoring this, uh, <laughs> this podcast. Uh, I, I, I wrote this down last year. I have a whole sheet of future meaningless topics, and this was the next one up, and I, I love this one. Rules you would like to see changed in college football. You know, every year you, you see something happen, you're like, man, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish they'd do this. And and so I've got a couple. I'm going to cover one for sure, and I'm going to give Tom – let Tom cover one. Might not uh, cover my second one because Tom's already made fun of it. But <laughs> here's my rule number one. I really wish this would change. You know, the um, uh, picture your – most your favorite team, or well, actually, picture your least favorite team on offense out there. Be the Auburn War Eagles for me, and Bo Nix is is clapping his hands and raising his right leg, and and it's sixteen. The shot, the play clock is sixteen, fifteen, fourteen. He looks at the sideline. Gus changes the play. Bama looks at the sideline. Nick changes the defense. Eight, seven, six. Nix looks at the sideline, changes the play. Bama changes the play. Three, two. At that moment, Gus runs 50 yards as fast as he can, bumps the ref, and calls timeout with one second on the play clock. I hate that rule. I would like to see this rule instituted. Coaches can still call timeouts, but when the play clock gets hits five and under, only there's only two people on the field that can call timeout. For offense, it'd be the quarterback, and for defense, it'd be the middle linebacker or whatever player the coach designated. You know, maybe maybe your team leader is uh, is free safety or, or uh, strong safety. You know, like Minka Fitzpatrick would be a great example of a, a defensive back that would be considered the leader of the team. And uh, But, you know, let's just for, – for, for argument's sake, let's just say it's the middle linebacker. So, when the, when the play clock hits five seconds and under, if offense wants a timeout, the quarterback calls it. If the defense wants a timeout, the middle linebacker calls it. Outside of that, you play ball. I like that. I like it. That that is that is definitely you know used to. If you remember, I can remember in, in way way long time ago when we just had you know uh, tube TVs and all that jazz that only the player on the field could call the timeout. Yeah. And and not only could a player on the field call timeout, you had to make sure that the referee saw it because there was no instant replay. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing games, many of them were like, oh, he was definitely call it there with two seconds left, but the referee missed it, and this game's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot. But I, I like that. I like that. that that's a, that's a, I think that's a well-reasoned rule change, and, and, uh, 
and I would have zero problem with that. Uh, mine, I actually have two, but the first one I don't think will get any traction. I was thinking the first rule change would be instead of a coin toss, you had a representative from each team come out there and actually fight till the death <laughs> to see which team received or kicked. It may not have That's to be That's what you're going death. with for rule number one. Nice. <laughs> Well, I mean, it may not have to be to death, but, you know, it would be very entertaining. Nobody would miss the kick. People would be in the stadium early. You know, you used to seeing people filter in 10 minutes after kickoff. No, sir, they'll be there early. Uh, but short of that, my, my real rule change, I would suggest making safeties worth more points. They're so rare. And they're so difficult to get that it didn't feel... I mean, I know they give you the bonus of giving, getting the ball back, uh, but kickers are so good that you usually don't get the ball back, but on your 30 or 40, two mm. points just doesn't seem like enough. I advocate for a nice, you know, maybe a, a nice four, even a four yeah. and a half. I don't have anything gets half points, you know, it prevents Ooh, you Vegas get a does. safety. <laughs> if you get a safety, there's no overtime, sir. <laughs> well, unless there's offsetting safeties, <laughs> but, uh, but I could go for that. But I, I think two points is way too little for a safety. That's, I never thought about it, but I, you bring up a valid point since you agreed with mine. I'm gonna agree with yours. If you thought mine was trash, I would be trashing yours as well. But no, I can go. I could go with four points. Um, don't know about the half, but uh, the four. The four sounds good. Well, I'm gonna uh, cut it there. We're we're out of time as usual. And uh, the other rule I had was uh, maybe we'll post it on the Twitter account. I don't know. But uh, hey, not bad for the first um, first show back. Uh, uh, as usual, my computer lagged about halfway through. So if it, if the podcast is sounds awesome like there's no breaks tom did an outstanding job of editing if it's choppy <laughs> it was definitely on my end i'm on a hard wire from now on out though uh, <laughs> so kicking off sec football this weekend got advice for the kentucky wildcat fans that might possibly try to go down to the plains if you're going to go from lexington to auburn this year you need to go south till you smell it then west till you step in it awesome and by the way guys we have a website up and running www.nottargeting.com and hey I am glad to be back take it easy guys